Yeah. Here we go. We back again. This is actually my very first episode that I'm doing in 2021. This is episode six. You know, 2020 was wild. And uh, when I first started this project, I had done it all in like maybe the span of like one or two weeks. You know, I had about five episodes in and took a little break, get back to my school stuff, some mental health things. But I just recently decided to put this out public. So if you made it all the way to episode six, just know you made it to current times. (laughs) You know, this episode, I'm going back. This episode, we're going to talk about friendship. And not just any old friendship. I'm talking about, like, like real friends. You know what I'm saying? Like, the type of bond that you can only have with people who you done been through some shit with. <laughs> and I done been through some shit, trust me. But I don't always fit into the most conventional kind of dynamic when it comes to friendships, you know? I moved around a lot. Y'all heard that in op- earlier episodes. <laughs> earlier episodes. <laughs> and uh, I've always made really magnetic friends. It's like from day one being around, people just cling to me. I don't know why. And um, now, you know, here I am as an adult, 29 years old. I'll be 30 in what? Two months. Almost two months exactly to the date. And it's still the same way, but. Somewhere down the line, I started clinging more to women than I did to men, you know? But the foundation was always rooted in in friendship as a whole. I have to think about how I ended up becoming one of the girls over the years. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, I'm straight. I'm straight as an arrow, you know? Not that there was anything wrong if I was gay, but not my cup of tea respectfully but uh yeah I don't know somewhere down the line I just it was like I became one of the girls so we gonna unpack that today I want to figure out how how did I get so many women in my life I mean beautiful ass women beautiful but we forever in the friend zone that's where I like to be platonic beautiful friendships that are life lasting but Somehow they just sustain so much more strong than the ones that I hold with certain men. Let's break it down. Let's talk about it. Let's go way back in the days. So, since about, I don't know, really my all my life, I can't even say when, uh, but I, I guess really more so when I started going to high school, I've always just had more women friends than men you know um i think i've always been in this kind of space where i was never afraid to openly articulate like you know niggas be dumb (laughs) and that's exactly how i would say it i'd be like you know people are why you hang out with girls all the time guys are dumb guys do dumb shit you know it seemed like when i was with women i could always have like really intense like intentional intelligent introspective conversations about shit that just went 
beyond the surface level shit and it wasn't like every conversation had to be somebody trying to challenge somebody or one up somebody or show that they're smarter or whatever you know it's like it was always a competition with men for some reason to my to my experience you know what i'm saying and um for me i think that that just materialized in me hanging out with women more you know um and it's funny because these relationships were almost always strictly platonic you know i I wouldn't say they're like my sisters even though that would be a good description but i think that our openness and transparency is so close that it goes beyond like what a sister and brother might have because it's kind of weird you know a little too weird for some brother sister relationships you know what i'm saying you wouldn't talk about all that like we talk very bluntly about a lot of different things that go beyond what a brother and sister would talk about but we have the most pure intentions like we have no desire to date want to be sexually active with each other want to you know uh we don't flirt none of that you know what i'm saying like it's weird it's weird but um you know as much as i could start to just jump right into it and start thinking about like yo how did i start hanging around so many women in my life i think i have to think about what was the role that men played in my life versus what was the role that women played in my life um it's funny because like i had all boys in my home you know i'm the youngest as we know i had two older brothers one's three years older one's 11 years older and there was my father and there was my mother and my mother was like a tomboy and i wonder maybe if all of that masculine energy around me all the time made me yearn for more of uh, a feminine energy just naturally you know um i was definitely a mama's boy as much as i was a daddy's boy there's no question about that but i think um i think there was definitely concern for me regardless right so I was probably the closest to my mother. I could say that. To my to my recollection, I was the closest to my mother growing up, you know. We spent the most time together. Uh we cracked the most inside jokes with each other. We went on these random adventures together. That was like my time that I had to get my feminine energy in, you know. Um but I didn't have any sisters. Uh I had an older girl cousin, but we never really like spoke that much or hung out that much. And the real relevance here is this idea that I was overwhelmed with so much masculine energy as a child that I think maybe I was yearning for more of that softness and nurturing spirit that women brought to the table, uh, i.e. my mother, my grandmothers, you know, uh, my aunts. It, it was a different kind of being, you know, with guys, you got to be so tough, you know? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I told this in the previous, uh, <laughs> a previous episode, but I, I'll never forget a story. 
And my brothers will swear up and down this never fucking happened, but it's true. I I can't make this shit up. Uh, I was watching Beauty and the Beast on a VHS player when we were living in Brentwood. And uh, we had like uh, what we called the playroom. And we could do whatever we wanted in this room. It was our thing. And uh, specifically, I remember I was watching Beauty and the Beast and nobody was home. I guess my parents must have put it on for me or something before they left. And after everybody was gone, I was in the middle of watching the movie. And both of my brothers came through <laughs> and slapped me in the back of the head multiple times. Like, why are you watching this? You want to be gay? You want to be gay? You trying to be soft? And they were like pushing me like, you know, whatever, like fucking with me. And I was like, no, man. Turned off Beauty and the Beast. What was so intimidating to my masculinity about beauty and the fucking beast. <laughs> like what? What was it? You know? Uh, but my family was really concerned about me. You know? Uh, I talk about like uh, roots of, of inherent homophobia, right? That I think exist deep within the black community as a whole. I'm not going to sit there and say it's like, oh, my family was just so homophobic. Like, nah, they old school, man. You know what I'm saying? My parents grew up in the 60s and everything else like that. They grew up in a time where, you know, free love in the 70s. And sure, there were people who were gay and you knew they were gay. It was just like, don't ask, don't tell. You don't speak. You don't speak on it. It doesn't exist, you know? A father would say a little funny shit like, uh, uh, you know, you you don't, wanna, you don't want people to think you out here got that broken wrist syndrome. You know, a shit like that or fucking... <laughs> And, and I say all of this with a grain of salt because I, I want people to understand too that as you get older and the questions start to be asked, you know, are you gay? Or they start to wonder, are you gay? It's a much lighter tone. <laughs> I think everybody in my family, including my mother, at some point or another when I was growing up hit me with the like, it went from when I was little, like, you know, you don't need to be soft or, you know, like I used to. I played in my brother's clothes and I played in my father's clothes. I played in everybody's clothes. So when I ended up playing in my mother's clothes, it was like a thing. They were like, oh, you, you need to get out, your, you need to toughen up, whatever. And they thought I was going to be soft. And it tripped me out because, um, like I said, there was a time as I started to get older, like around like high school age, uh, a little bit before, you know, everybody's wondering, like, when is he going to start liking girls and all this other type of shit? And I was just in my own world. I was focused on, like, football and playing with my cousin Rashid and cartoons. I, I literally just wasn't thinking about girls, you know? But they used to all hit me with this little heart-to-heart -heart in different moments. I've had at least one of them with each person, except for my oldest brother, Ahmad. And it's funny because I think... Ahmad probably legitimately just would have never cared at all. Even back then, you know? It was just like, you my little brother, so who gives a fuck? But they all hit me with the same heart-to-heart. -heart. Dante, um, you know if you are gay, you can tell us, right? Like, it's it's not a big deal. It's okay if you're, if you, you know, and you don't have to know yet and whatever. And I'm just like, why do y'all think I'm gay? <laughs> this is highly vulnerable right now. I'm, I'm getting into the shits. 
But, and you know, to some people that might be embarrassing to talk about. But for me, it's not necessarily embarrassing. It's just my truth, you know? I don't know how many other guys go through similar things, but I've always identified as a heterosexual male. I've always like liked girls once I started liking girls. You know, you heard that in, what, two episodes ago. I just never understood why there was this big conversation around the idea of like, yo, if you gay, you know, you know, you can tell us or, you know, you better not be gay or we don't want you to be soft or whatever the case may be. And I'm, I, I know that there was some innocence in the idea that my family was looking out for me because they understand that growing up in the Washington, D.C. area, especially post-crack epidemic, you know, 90s, um, you had to be a little tough. It's just necessary. You had to be a little tough to survive. You had to be able to hold your own, manage your own. People's going to try to test you. You know what I'm saying? Like my man Reggie said, people going to try to test your nuts all the time. Don't back down, you know? But I think it's important to, you know, acknowledge that these are the foundations for experiences that I had in high school where the exact same things were happening. It wasn't my family. It wasn't my brothers or anybody like that, but it would be classmates or fellow teammates on the football team who would be on some shit like, yo, are you gay? You know what I'm saying? And and not so much as a serious question, but because of the fact that I never had my business on the streets. So, you know, everybody wanted to talk about who they was having sex with or what they was doing or lying on their dick. And I, I had all these women friends who I would hang with and, you know, nobody knew what I was doing or if I was even doing. And because I wasn't out here gossiping, like what I thought is what girls do, right? <laughs> I thought that was some quote unquote gay shit, right? To be out here gossiping. So I was always keeping it solid. And they was on some shit. Like if you're not trying to tell us who you fucking, maybe you're not fucking none of them. So if you're hanging out with all these badass joints and you're not having sex with them, you must be gay. Ridiculous. But going back to what I was saying, my oldest brothers was a little more uh, street smart than I was. I'm sure I've discussed that enough in previous episodes by now for people to understand that point. Uh, I never really had to be. I was the youngest, you know. It was that kind of mentality. Like, I'll get my brothers. <laughs> but I think that materialized into my friendships. Like, you know how, like, if you date and you're in a relationship and, uh, I don't know. I know women who are bosses every single day of their life, you know? They they are go-get-money-niggas, go-make-orders-type people. And when they date, they want to be submissive. They want to let the man lead and completely just let go. Maybe that same dynamic relates to the way that I chose friendships from jump, you know? If I felt like I always had to be so tough at home and so macho, I guess, to some extent, right? Which nobody made me be macho or tough. Once again, I don't want my family to think that, you know, they were just... But it was just an understanding that, like, yeah, there was very much pride in being a man. Like, you're a man, you know, be a man and, and feel proud about your masculinity and I was you know 
But I think I needed more of that soft shit. And maybe that's where I started to claim the girls. Everything reflected in my life through this masculinity complex um, or hyper-masculinity complex, I should say, uh, through everything I was introduced to early on, football and everything else. So by the time that I moved to New Carrollton uh, in about the third and fourth grade, right, I was going to Lamont Elementary School right behind my house. And um, some of the first people I met there were uh, the guy Pops, who I mentioned in a, a previous episode about football. He was like a football superstar. And his crew, and his crew was these guys named Momo and Mike Mike, another guy named Curtis Love. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I think Curtis is dead now. Um, and uh, Momo and Mike Mike, who knows? Last I heard, Mike Mike was doing life, but he might have got out. I try not to keep up. Momo was in and out of jail. Uh, he looked a little wild. Last time I seen him was on Instagram, maybe a couple years back. But these were my closest friends when I first moved to to New Carrollton in PG County. And it's wild because, you know, I said these were my closest friends, but they did nothing nice at all. Like nothing nice for me, like nothing nice for me to me. I don't think I remember them ever saying anything nice about me. My only fond memory with Pops and his crew was them like challenging me to do stuff. Like, oh, you don't curse? Oh, if you're going to hang with us, you got to curse. We curse. Or, you know, they play football. Like, hey, man, go get that ball from that third grader. You know, whatever the case may be. And, you know, they stole our ball. You got to go get it back once see how tough you are. Like, football type shit and they used to always like fight and stuff they used to get in the they used to fight casually i remember uh mike mike and, and curtis got into a fight and curtis busted mike mike's lip so now momo and and curtis was about to fight and pops was just sitting back watching and all laughing and it was like a casual thing to them they just didn't care and i i didn't really like hanging with them so i went to go hang out with my next door neighbor jasmine that's the one who I, I mentioned in the, you know, story about crushes and stuff like that. And it was different hanging out with my next door neighbor, Jasmine, you know. Jasmine was, hey, Jasmine was fast. She was tough. She got, um, she was smart, you know, so she could dance. I remember we used to uh, go to the ice cream shop. We had this ice cream man. His name was East. Right, I don't, he's African, uh, but I think we always thought it was like East, like with a T. But Nick's name was East, and we used to see him coming down the street like East. <laughs> and uh, he was so cool, you know what I'm saying? He would let you get up in the truck and ride with him for a little bit and everything, like which is probably dangerous now in 2021 when you think about it. But still, shit, you know, back then it seemed like you know year 2000 like it was safe enough jasmine used to do it a couple of times i never hopped up in that truck my parents wasn't rocking i think my brother might have once or twice you know um but yeah we, we'd be so excited for the ice cream man to come around and we'd go and get random shit like they had these little like fart bonds and shit like that squeeze the bubble it pops open and it stinks real bad and you like, oh, you smell that oh but you keep smelling it you can't stop smelling it and she wasn't into shit that like most girls was into. She was into boy shit. So she liked to be rough and tough and tumble and everything else like that. She played Madden. I remember I was confused. Like, you play Madden? 
She was like, yeah. Play with my brother all the time. You know, like, <laughs> I used to be so excited to go over Jasmine's house and hang out and play. And we'd go to the playground and shit like that. And she was good at basketball. She just did everything. I think that's why I was more surprised down the line when she hit me with the, like, I like you that one random time. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, True? Okay. Well, you like me. And in, and in actuality, I liked her too. I just didn't really know how to channel those feelings back then. I was just like, uh, I don't know. Um, But that was my girl, man. We, we used to rollerblade and ride bikes and literally do everything together, you know? And I don't know, I think my parents was under the impression that maybe she was like fresh for her age or something like that. And I don't know why, cause she was literally just a little tomboy. She was cool as hell, big bucky teeth. I love that girl, that was my that was my man, yo. And um, I don't know, when I was at school, eventually, you know, I, I got tired of hanging with Pops and them uh, because, you know, they was doing a bunch of wild shit, you know, throwing snowballs with rocks in them at the buses and stealing Pokemon cards from uh, <laughs> Toys R Us and getting taken home by the police and shit. My parents was just like, yeah, we don't want you hanging with them. Like they, they could see where they was going. They liked that I had hung out with Jasmine anyway. So between Jasmine and, and my cousin Rashid, that was my, that was all my squad. That's all I really needed for real. So now I'm at St. Jerome's and I'm sitting there like, you know, I told y'all I was going in there trying to be a little fake Billy Badass. <laughs> I was like, fuck, man. Like, y'all y'all not hard, nigga. I'm hard, nigga. <laughs> so the white boys were like, dude, we don't care. But I legitimately um, got up in that school and I was just kind of to myself. I had my cousin Rashid, but he was a whole year older than me. And he was in a different class and had his own friends. But I used to be excited for before and after school because that's when I would see Rashid. And uh, in my class, there was two guys who I ended up growing pretty close to. And I, I was really happy that I did get the opportunity to. Um, it was my man, uh, Mark, and uh, my other man, Sherrod. And uh, I remember there was something that scarred me, too, because I was always kind of socially awkward at that age. I didn't know how to uh, exist around other kids in public social settings, you know? Like, going to hang out with Mark or Sherrod was always, like, an outing. It was never, like, it wasn't like they was neighborhood kids, you know what I'm saying? Neighborhood kids, you just pull up. But these was, like, they lived in other places, you know? So, like, your parents would have to take you in a car or be dropped off at their house. And it's like, what do you want to do? Let me show you my toys or whatever the fuck. And um, Sherrod, he had a little birthday party situation or something like that. And it was me and Mark and maybe, like, three other kids or some shit. And uh, I guess his parents were super trusting or whatever the case may be. And they told us all go down to the basement and watch movies or whatever. They, I guess they didn't want to be bothered with us and shit like that. They, we had some cake and some other type of stuff. I was always like a late to show up, early to leave type of nigga anyway, even as a kid. <laughs> I think that's definitely the tourist in me. Like, all right, well, it's getting late. Fuck y'all niggas about to do. I'm out. And um, I never forget, this was the first time that I ever saw porn. And I thought it was weird as fuck. So I was like, what's going on? Like, we were sitting there, we was hanging and shit. And it came down. I had came late already. 
So when I came out, they was like, hey, what's up, Dante? This and they said, yeah, everybody's downstairs. I came downstairs, everybody's sitting all quietly. I'm thinking they're watching like a movie or something like that. And one of the boys went back up to look at the door and was like, everybody's gone? I'm like, yeah. And he was like, you want to see this tape? So everybody was like, yeah, man, yeah. And I'm looking, everybody's sitting like around the TV all close. I'm the only person sitting over on the couch. And I just knew whatever they was about to put on this tape based off of the way that everybody was acting was real uncomfortable for me. It just felt like they was about to do something wrong. And I was definitely, like I said, innocent kids. So I was like, we're going to get in trouble. <laughs> and next thing you know, it's some fucking 70s porn or some shit that he like stole from his dad or whatever. And it's like a lady with an afro and a hairy vagina and a white man. And she's like calling him a jive turkey motherfucker. <laughs> I will never forget this shit. She literally was sitting there like, you gonna come eat this pussy, you jive turkey motherfucker. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing about it now, but I shit you not. I was so fucking uncomfortable. I was so uncomfortable. I must have just played the awkward role and just played my Game Boy up on the couch upstairs or something like that, you know? Something. Whatever it was, I know I wasn't fucking with him. And I think that type of stuff molds too. Like, I, I just, you can't put everybody in one box, right? But I just remember boys always was so devious or just doing something fucked up. And my only good memories that I had in friendships like that, that went beyond like some little devious or wild or have to prove yourself ass shit was with women. So by the time that they took me out of private school, cause, oh, I'm, I'm skipping one too. I did have a little best friend when I was in private school. Her name was Cynthia and she was Spanish. And it's funny because Cynthia was like the first, <laughs> Cynthia was like the first girl to get boobs. It was so random. And I remember I actually liked her. So even though I did like her and she was attractive, you know, I, I, I was impressed. I was just like, yo, we friends. And she would readily call me her best friend. I remember her specifically asking me, oh, shit is happening. The nostalgia is kicking in. <laughs> she asked me to give a note to this other boy, Dominic. He was a grade beneath us, but he was a year older than us. Makes sense for private school. And um, she wanted to talk to him and see if he liked her. Next thing you know, that's how me and this guy Dominic became friends because it was like I was the liaison. I was the messenger between the two of them because they were too afraid to talk to each other. It was like, I remember giving him messages like you know Cynthia says she wants to kiss you and he was like well, where and I'm like behind the door after gym you know whatever <laughs> and if I'm thinking about it you know at that time I, I probably wanted to kiss Cynthia I probably wanted to be that person who you know I wanted her to want to kiss me but she wanted to kiss them uh uh Dominic so in my head I've always had the mentality like, well, I'm not no hating ass nigga. So 
I've always had this kind of mentality that was like, if you don't want me, I'm not pressed over you from day one. So I might have liked her first. But as soon as I seen she was interested in somebody else and it was like, once again, Dominic was one of these kind of muscular, for our age, muscular, ripped up, tall, light skin, had braces, freckles type nigga. You know what I'm saying? Like he looked older. It was like, he looked like the quote unquote bad boy or whatever like that. You know, you know, guys be fronting like they don't know when a guy is handsome or not. Niggas be handsome. We know when the niggas not in the same quote unquote league as us and shit like that. That's why you gotta bring something different to the table. I know I'm not no sexy dexy goddamn Trey Songs, Chris Brown ass nigga. You know what I'm saying? But you probably gonna fuck with me over one of them once you talk to me. And that that's always kind of been my game. So I say all that to say, I remember she kind of friend zoned me in that kind of way. And I specifically I rocked for it. You know what I'm saying? I didn't even really care for real. Because in my mind, I was like, shit, I got my eyes in other places. Brianna, what's up? But I think as I'm remembering this, because I, I, you know, when I do these podcasts, I, I don't follow a script. I just kind of free talk. And maybe that's why it's a little rambly. But I do keep like a little outline. And I shit you not, Cynthia's name isn't even up here. That just came up as I started remembering, which once again, is just a free talk. And that's why we do this podcast thank goodness but that was the start now that i'm really thinking of it that was the very first time this was fifth grade this is the very first time that i started to realize that i had like this platonic style of friendship with a woman and it was based off of this same kind of concept of like what girls do with other girls. Like you were treating me like the name of this episode, one of the girls, you know? So she's talking to me about, I like Dominic and this and that. And it's almost like I was her counselor and she was confiding in me. So it's no surprise by the time that I go back to Greenbelt the next year for middle school and eighth grade because you know my my parents took me out of there um i think i was a little over that dynamic <laughs> in the way that i kind of got friends on and i was seeing girls and i'm like oh i like girls now what's going on and i probably wanted to be around some more masculine energy to figure out how that thing worked and um that's where i met my man kevin kevin played football he was like uh he was like Spanish and he played football, which it was for some reason was rare. You know, he's a Salvadorian. I don't know why. I don't remember a lot of Spanish kids playing baseball. We just assumed that they would want to play soccer because society is racist as fuck. But yeah, um, he played football. And when I went to Greenbelt, he was the only person that I recognized besides Mike, Mike, and Momo, who also went to Greenbelt Middle. And I was like, oh, Lord, these dudes is here, too. I'm about to have to have some problems. And I'm a private school kid now. I done let go of my hard shit, you know. But I approached Kevin the exact same way, probably, that I did Jasmine when I was a little kid. Like, hey, you play for Lanham, right? And he was super nonchalant. He probably carried me for real for the first time. He's like, yeah. I was like, oh, I play on 95. You play 110. He's like, yeah. I was like, all right, I'll see you around school. And that was kind of it. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And for that first week that I was in public school again, I just sat back and kind of scoped the the realm out. And I knew I would look like a fucking, you know, duck with a platinum bill or something. Because, like I said, I had this afro and I can't dress and wearing all types of mismatched shit and everything like that. But Kevin's a real nigga. He's still one of my, probably my best friend to this day. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I have so many best friends. That's what you're going to find out through this episode. It's fucked up. People going to be like, damn, you got a lot of best friends, nigga. But I do. I have a lot of, I have a circle of love, you know. Kevin, to this day, almost at 30 years old, is still one of my best friends. And I think it's because he was a real nigga. And he kind of created the gateway for me to be cool with other people when I went back to public school, you know. I met people like uh, Brandon, right, who used to wear, that's one of my other, that's actually my trainer right now, and one of my other best friends uh, to this day. We're all a part of, like, the same crew now. This is my only real, like, group of guys who I hang with. It's me, Kevin, uh, Chris, who we call him Callie. And uh, and then Marcus and, and Sherman came in later down the line for real uh, when we got to high school. But it's weird because Kevin was like my best friend. Brandon was like an acquaintance and Chris was actually my bully. So once again, you can see how this is gravitating towards me going back to hanging out with girls. You know, when I was in middle school, there were no girls to hang out with. And as far as I was, like nobody showed. It seemed like every girl I saw when I was in eighth grade in public school was like too cool to even look in my direction. I was invisible as far as I was concerned, you know. But I played football, so some of the guys could see me. I wasn't completely invisible, right? And um, I remember uh, Kevin... We got to a point where I think at some point my father used to take him home from football practice a couple of times. And I think that's how we got close. My father always helped me make friends indirectly. You know, I would tell him like, oh, you know, Kevin lives right up the street. Can we drop him? And he was like, yeah, I got him. You know, and that's my classmate. So now we have stuff to talk about on the car ride and in school the next day. And that's how we got close. And Brandon just sat next to me in science class and broke pencils all fucking day and did little random gay shit when nobody was looking like <laughs> he was just he, Brandon was so weird he was quiet as fuck and nobody would ever expect him to do any of the wild shit he was doing because he was quiet and I think that's what made it fun for him and shit you know what I'm saying like being like this secret like nobody knows he's the mastermind behind this whole shit when I told that story in the very first episode about the spring being in my head Brandon put it there god damn it and Brandon was supposed to be my friend. <laughs> uh, Brandon's like the funniest nigga, yo. He, like I said, he, he's still one of my friends to this day. And then there was Chris. And Chris Graves, Callie, he was always the biggest nigga you knew from, like, day one. Like, I met this nigga in eighth grade, and he looked like he was already about 35. <laughs> Nigga had a mustache. He was bigger than everybody else and shit. And I remember he used to like, I don't know why he was picking on me in particular. He called me private school pussy and knocked my books over and shit and bump into me in the hallway. It was weird, but we had all our classes together. And um, when I was in eighth grade, I used to get sick a lot. 
But Chris, it was one day in particular that I was feeling sick. And I think this day I was actually feeling sick. And I had my head down on the desk and I wasn't feeling good or whatever the case may be. And I was in math class with a teacher named Miss Holly. And Miss Holly was funny because she had this little voice. She said, sugar, honey, baby. You know, like she she was like a Georgia peach for real or something. You know, she had these blonde curly hair. Country as hell. And Chris sat behind me in math class. And this one day he just kept like pulling my hair while I was there like I was sitting there he just kept like pulling at the back of my head pulling at the back of my head pulling at the back of my head and I was like stop I'm like stop leave me alone and then sure enough he did it one last time and I couldn't take it anymore and I stood up in the middle of class and I took my textbook which was thick as a bitch and I hit him across the face with it as hard as I fucking could and I was like leave me alone I said stop messing with me and everybody in the class stopped because they're just rung out. And everybody said, ooh. And as soon as I did it, I was like, oh, shit. What did I just do? <laughs> and even worse, the teacher, she knew, you know, he used to be bullying niggas and shit like that. So literally she looked and she said, then she looked the other way and she said, sugar. I didn't see nothing. And I'm like, wow. So he, when that happened, he got up and stormed out the class. I don't know if he went to the prep. I don't know where the fuck he went. I, I, I never skipped class. So I don't know where kids used to go when they would skip class. But he walked out and he was like, you better watch your back. When you get to gym, I'm going to fuck you up. He stand, you know, walked out the class and slammed the door and shit. Everybody's looking at me like, oh, shit. And I'm like, oh, I'm about to die today. What the fuck? What the fuck did I do that for? This episode is going to be long. I'm just telling y'all now. <laughs> so we go to gym. And I'm sitting there the whole time just waiting for it. And they're playing football today. Two of all fucking things. Why are we playing football in gym? I'm sitting there the whole day. Everybody's playing football Every time I'm playing receiver, every time somebody's going out for a pass, I'm like, just, I don't want to be nowhere near the ball. I don't want to be anywhere. I'm like, I'm just standing around checking my surroundings the whole time, the whole gym period. Had to have been about at least 40 minutes. And uh, while I'm sitting there looking around, I'm like, all right, I think you're finally getting to the end. And Kevin's around and he sees me and everything else like that. So then finally, I hear the whistle that, you know, it's the end of gym. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, I made it. Fuck. And uh, we're walking, me and Kevin, together. And I said, I guess he forgot. And literally, as soon as I'm looking at Kevin, I said, I guess he forgot. All I hear behind me is. Boom. This nigga sprinted as fast as he could, hit me, forearmed me, and I flew in the air so high that I did a backflip and landed on my head and my neck. Almost broke my neck. Dirt in my afro, dirt in my teeth, all fucked up. I'm spitting out dirt. He looks back at me. He says, that's what you get, you little bitch. And next time it's going to be two times worse. And he keeps walking into the, and I'm just like, 
I'm sitting here trying to get the shit out of my hair. Kevin's helping me get shit, trying to brush myself off and shit like that. <laughs> and I looked at Kevin and I said, well, could have been worse. And that was kind of the end of it, believe it or not. Um, it's funny, Chris didn't fuck with me after that day. Like, we went on, like, a little class field trip that was about, like, you know, men sticking together and black black men specifically, even though Kevin was with us and we had, like, another uh, Spanish student with us, I think, too, you know. Um, we all went on this little trip, me, Kevin, Chris, Brandon. I think that's where the first time we ever really started to get a little tight. And it was like a banquet. It was like a men's banquet through my teacher's church. And they all, you know, just talked to us about being a man and hugged us and all this other type of shit and everything. And I remember that that on that thing, me and Chris traded CDs because it was a long little ride in the back of a van. And, you know, you can only listen to one CD but so long. And I had the game documentary CD. And he had uh, 50 Cent, Get Rich or Die Trying. So we just trade it. He's like, hey, you want to listen to something different? And I was surprised he was even talking to me. I was like, yeah, sure. Gave him my CD, gave me his. I think I had Ludacris Red Light District too. So we was just like passing back and forth music for real. And um, I think that was the first time anybody in that school knew that I was like low key cool for real. If you got to talk to me and know me, you know. Only the other thing I could say from middle school was that there was two girls who I seen and I liked. I liked liked them. And that was this girl named Brittany. She had a twin. She was so fucking fine. And then this other girl, Jade, who actually ended up becoming my best friend down the line, right? This is once again where it's happening, the nostalgia, right? How did I become one of the girls? I think where I'm about to go with this is about to make sense because... I always say I have these platonic friendships and things of that nature, right? But I think there's there has to be some truth to this idea that the friend zone exists in a space where a possibility can exist. And you always have the thought in your mind, like, what if, right? Because Brittany used to grab my afro in the middle of the hallway in eighth grade and turned my head to see who I was. And I, I was like, why are you doing that? I, th I thought maybe it was her flirting with me. I don't know. I just knew she was the only girl who ever looked at me, paid me attention, and would say little stuff like, I just wanted to see who I was looking at. And she would smile. And I'd be like, maybe she liked me, you know? So by the time we went to high school, we had two-a-days for football, and that was when me and Kevin and Brandon and Chris Graves and, you know, all of them got real close because we all went to middle school together and it's high school. and We weren't technically in high school yet, but at least we knew each other there. So we spent the whole summer working out together for football and we got to know each other. We, we literally went through hell together. That's what it is, because we had these crazy ass coaches I, I, I mentioned in the last episode about you know, scary coaches. I didn't mention Coach Cliff. This is high school shit, JV. Coach Cliff was a motherfucker. God damn, boy, this nigga was a military instructor or something. He was had us sitting with 45-pound weights on our legs and 
crying and sweating and dying and all types of shit and running in the rain and crab walking and knuckle dragging across an entire football field. I don't know what the fuck he thought it was, but somehow we survived it. All of us survived it together. And I think that made us closer as brothers. And that's where our friendship started, you know. But when school started, I didn't give a fuck about none of that macho shit. I didn't give a fuck about none of the guys I was hanging with. I didn't give a fuck about any. I had seen the light. Boy, I I mean, talk about like, oh, shit. It's women, women in this junk. Oh, it's women, women in this. Oh, my God. Ooh, I ain't never seen. I ain't never seen you before. And I'm thinking to myself, like, where was all of y'all at in middle school? And you start to realize how regions work, right? Like, everybody who went to Greenbelt Middle wasn't coming to Roosevelt. There's some people who went to different middle schools because it was like, it spans across Lanham and Greenbelt and a little little small part of, like, Bowie, too, randomly, right? But, um, and then you had two programs. You had the science and tech program. And you had the Quest program, which brought in students from other cities because they was, you know, academically ahead or whatever the case may be to come to our school, too. So we had kids coming in from the rich neighborhoods and all over for real. And he was like, oh, my God, I've never seen this many women before in my goddamn life. Ooh. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I was interested in the women. And damn, I'm really realizing this shit right now. And I'm kind of disappointed in myself. I'm not going to lie. Because there's a part of me that thought that I was different from other niggas. And I'm realizing in this very moment as I'm recapping this shit, I'm not. I used to friends on myself. I used to try to friends on my way to the pussy. I wasn't. I didn't even know what the pussy was yet. But I knew I was trying to friend my, friends on my way to it. <laughs> Because my first best friend when I got to high school was the same girl who I liked in middle school, and that was Brittany. And I used to hang out with her, and then she had a friend named Ariel, and then I used to sit with them at lunch. And I remember I felt comfortable to do that because she used to always grab the back of my head and turn my head and say, let me see who I'm looking at. So when I got the lunch period in high school and none of the people who I knew from middle school was in my lunch period because the school has 4,000 plus people. I was like, I'm going to go sit with Brittany. And I'm sure in my head, that should have been the opportunity to be smooth and be like, what's up, girl? You know, I seen you pulling my hair in middle school, trying to see who you looking at. Let me come sit and have lunch with you. I did not have that type of confidence at all. Not even a little bit. <laughs> So I probably walked up and said, hey, can I sit with you guys? She was like, yeah, sure. And then you come to find out Dante isn't cute like you thought he was. Or maybe she thought he was. I don't know what she thought. He's sweet. He's cute. He's, he's a little kid cute. He's innocent. Once you talk to me. And now I'm the friend. But to me, a friend is better than nothing. So here they go. And her and Ariel used to talk to me about all different types of things. And she would talk to me about this guy she was dating, Mark Manley. And Mark Manley was a wild ass nigga. Anybody, 
I'm not even gonna start talking about that. If you knew, you knew. Mark Manley was a wild boy, he's knocking niggas out. Uh he was also older. I <laughs> no competition. So you like somebody else? Uh, you don't like me. I don't want you. Fall back. That's what I did. Initially, what's up? Realize you didn't want me? Fall back. We cool, we friends. And then next thing you know, I start noticing that as a cycle because I can't tell you much of what me and Brittany's conversations consisted of, but I know it was probably some deep spiritual shit because she was going through some shit, man. She really was. But that's what I always brought to the table in my friendships, no matter what, was that kind of spiritual deep connection that allowed people to feel like they could be vulnerable and just confide in a nigga and get some some nurturing. That's a part of my life path number. If anybody's into, you know, uh, numerology and life path numbers and stuff like that, my life path is six. So if you go to seventhlifepath.com and look up life path number six and read about it, it describes me to a T. It's like no variation. It's like I'm a nurturer and shit, you know, which is weird usually for guys. Guys, you don't expect guys to be nurturers, but I'm a natural nurturer by nature. Say that three times fast. So I'm hanging out with Brittany, this and that, boom, 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 whatever. Next thing you know, I start seeing um, girls who I actually like, who I don't want to fall into the friend zone with. There was this girl named Michelle. She was brown skinned. She was a science and tech. I couldn't. I used to kind of like try to flirt with her, but I don't think she, she's like, I don't know you. You're weird. Like, you know, like, I probably wasn't doing it right. <laughs> I probably wasn't. I promise I wasn't. And then um, there was other like people like uh, my friend Kimmy. And initially Kimmy and Jade, Jade is the other girl who I saw in middle school who I had no clue who Jade was. But I used to see her go to the vending machine after school all the time. We didn't have any classes together. She was in like a different section of eighth grade. But she used to go to the vending machine at the end of school. And I would try to like walk slow through the hallways just to see if I could catch a glance at her. And I would see her and I just smile. Once again, too much of a bitch. Never say hi. Get to high school, CJ around. I'm like, yeah, you're that girl from the vending machine. You used to always be around this and that. I was had a little more confidence. This was the first time I had a little more confidence. Like, I'm going to just see what's up. And I was trying to go and see what's up with Jade to talk to her. And apparently, Jade liked me. And I liked her. But the problem was that she said, my best friend likes you. Now, I don't remember how Jade and Kimmy knew each other. But apparently, Kimmy liked me. So when I came to Jade on some shit, I never told her I liked her up front, but I was definitely like trying to put in my bid. You could tell I was trying to get her attention. And Jade friend zoned me immediately like, yeah, we're, we're cool. This and that. She was like, you should talk to my friend, Kimmy. Now, don't get me wrong. Kimmy was cute. Kimmy is cool, too. Me and Kimmy actually ended up becoming like real genuine friends. But Kimmy liked me at first. And I wasn't trying to see what was up with Kimmy. I was trying to see what was up with Jade. But because Jay was putting me on to somebody else, in my mind, I'm like, well, shit, no girls ever like me. So I guess I'm going to see what's up with Kimmy. And when I tell you Kimmy had the motherfucking steez, Kimmy's favorite rapper was Common. I had just like 
started discovering common and we connected over music like she got me hip to everything kimmy got me hip to lupe and like more kanye back when kanye was kanye and i mean like Bilal and d'angelo and all like all the good shit we just connected over music heavy you know what i'm saying and she could like make like the fire myspace layouts and shit like that she was dope but also kimmy didn't tell me up front that you know she liked me like that in that kind of way she was a little shy about it and i was a little shy so we just kind of pussyfooted around and acted like we was just regular friends even though she liked me secretly and I already knew she liked me but she didn't tell me so in my mind she didn't like me Jade had told me and then in the midst of all of this stuff you know we in high schools football time everything else like that and we have gym class this was when I met Zayna I already told the story of how I met Zayna my first love when you know we was in, in, in high school in gym class and she hit me with the, you're cute, you know? And I was like, oh shit. So now I'm dating. So once you're dating, you know, in high school, if you're dating somebody, everybody knows, everybody's talking. So we was like the little cute couple. Everybody knew about us. So it's like, I was off limits to everybody anyway. So the only space I had to develop with people was on a friendship platonic level. And that was how me and Kimmy got extra close. And that was how me and Jay got extra close. It was like, they didn't hit me with the shit like, oh, well, you're taken now, so bye. It was like, no, we was hanging out. Like, I used, Kimmy lived in New Carrollton, and she was going to high school with a fake address, too. So I was like, all right, bet. We know some of the same people. <laughs> we both doing something we not supposed to. It's like our own little secret. Like, we don't live over here, you know? And Jade knew how to do hair. So Jade would cornrow my hair sometimes and braid it and everything else like that. Her and my other friend, Janelle. Janelle was really, really close. And I don't... Janelle was the only girl who tried out for the football team. She made it, too. That's the wild shit. She made it. She got her ass ran over one good time. It was crazy. We was all a little worried, but she was tough as nails. And then, unfortunately, for feminism and everything else like that, I think they told her that she couldn't play uh, when the season had started or something. I'm trying to remember what happened. Something happened, and she couldn't play. After she went through hell with us through two days and played football with us and everything like that. And she played linebacker. She could hit too. She was smart. She was smart. She was good form and everything like that. But that's how me and Janelle got cool through the through the football thing and everything. And she used to do my hair too. And she got real cool with my mother because she was a tomboy. And my mother was a tomboy. And I remember I used to go to her house in Hyattsville and stuff like that. And she would do my hair and we'd just hang out. She was Panamanian. She was like the first person I knew who used to speak fluent Spanish around. And she would sit there and like be going between like English and Spanish, like as if I knew what she was talking about. And that was my nigga. And she was cool. So now I'm getting tight with Brittany and tight with Janelle and tight with Jade and tight with all these girls. And football, I'm starting to hate more and more because it's a job. It's not fun anymore. And everybody on the football team that I knew were just like meatheads. It was like they was like the coaches that I hated growing up on the football team. It was like them reincarnated because obviously that's where you learn it from. You know, they used to lie about sex and they used to lie about who they was fucking and all this other type of shit. And 
one of these dudes, I'm not going to say who had recorded one of my friends, you know, having sex or whatever the case may be and tried to like expose her. And it it got really bad too because he had like a a little penis. (laughs) So he was trying to expose her and kind of exposed himself in the process. It, It was always stories like that. Like anytime a video got leaked of somebody having sex, it was always somebody from the football team. I just hated it. And I and and don't get me wrong because obviously my friends played football with me. But and this is no disrespect to them, but they were so cool with just playing 50-50. They played both sides of the coin. And I couldn't do I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I was like, "Y'all niggas suck. Y'all treat women like shit." You know what I'm saying? I told y'all in pet in previous episodes about we we always had a high regard for women. Even though there was only one woman in our house, it was like respect for women was the ultimate thing in my household. So like to just see these niggas just so trash with girls, it just used to eat me up inside. And more important, I couldn't get a girl to save my life in my in my head besides Zayna, you know. And and even that was a surprise to me. It was like, oh shit. Like I had it was only because Zayna was weird as fuck. And I was weird as fuck, too. <laughs> Sorry, Zayna. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because she was weird as fuck. And I was weird as fuck, too. So it was like, oh, I met my little weird-ass match. I think that's why I was even more sick by the time that we ended up breaking up in sophomore year. Because it was like, damn. <sighs> I'm fucked up out here. I'm never going to find another girl <laughs> who's going to set me for me. <laughs> Bad, man. But I just was so tired of watching guys do fucked up things to girls and i i wasn't like hard right i wasn't like bad enough to want to be like oh you're not gonna do shit like you know like uh, confront them about it so my thing was like well uh, i'm not gonna confront you about it but i don't have to fuck with you either like we don't you're not my man i'm not gonna sit there and act like you my man you know and um it's funny because this is something else. I, I skipped this little story. This is a side note because guys aren't all bad either. And ma- hypermasculinity isn't all bad either. Because in the same regard that people do certain shit, there was this guy named Jason. I'm not going to say his last name because whatever. But I remember when I got to high school and I had first started dating Zayna, she used to talk to this other guy who lived in Bowie or something or something or another. Little science and tech kid, you know, so... Already, I ain't never tried to be hard or no thug, nothing like that. But we knew these was like basically the private school kids who done came to this school because, you know, they got good academic grades and stuff. And they're a little muscle head nigga. I was in the hallway one day and this guy, Jason, came up to me and was like, yeah, you talk to Zayna? I was like, yeah, that's my girl. And he was just like, oh, I wasn't done with her yet. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking? Who are you talking to, nigga? Like, I'm confused. Like, you better get the fuck out of my face. Like, don't play with me. I was never tough, right, in that kind of way. But let's not get it confused. I was never sweetie, but I definitely wasn't no bitch. So I was like, Yo, who are you talking to, bro? Like, what are you like? I'm going to catch you. And I'm like, yeah, all right. You're going to catch me, all right. And sure enough, we used to bump heads. It was wild. I told her about the situation, too, and she just laughed. And she was like, oh, my God. I think they went to church together. I think that's what it was. Because, you know, she's a little church or something. All I know is niggas was wild disrespectful. So then one day in the hallway, you know, 
I'm walking or whatever the case may be. Uh, I, I don't know if I was late to class or whatever. He had a little hall pass or something, but it was a little isolated hallway, just me and him. And we walking, and this nigga bumps my shoulder and knocks all my books out my hand. So I'm fed up. I'm like, I start squaring up. I'm like, nigga, I'm not scared of you. What's up? Like, the fuck is good, nigga? Like, I was very upset. And he like, what? And I'm like, you heard me. I'm not scared of you, nigga. What's good? Like, you got to see me. I shit you not. Out of nowhere, here comes the most unexpected plot twist. Y'all never going to guess this one. Here comes Callie, Chris Graves, my bully from middle school. The one who fucked me up in gym class comes out of the back stairwell out of nowhere like super nigga. Now, we called him Callie. I don't know why any of us called him Callie. I know he used to keep a little red flag. I think he was a false claim. And if you listen to this shit, Chris, <laughs> sorry, bro. But that's what I always thought. It was some false claiming blood type shit because we know we didn't have no fucking gangs back then or no shit like that i think he just was listening to game a lot and you know the game was on his blood shit all i know is at the end of the day he came out the back door. nobody was going to tell chris to his face you false claiming that's for damn sure you'll fuck everybody up <laughs> this nigga had epic fights but Callie comes out of the back stairwell out of nowhere and he comes out he's like what's up we got a problem we got a problem nigga and he's like Grabbing on the, the the red, you know, bandana or whatever and shit like that. Jason, look at him. Look at me. Look at him. He said, nah, we good. Walked off. I was motherfucking confused. I was flabbergasted. I was like, what the fuck was that? I mean, we was walking and Chris was like, you put his arm around. He's like, you straight, bro? I was like, yeah, I'm straight. I was like, what the fuck is that? I'm confused. Granted, me and Chris, you know, we did two days in football all summer together. And he was like, man, if anybody going to bitch you, it's going to be me. And he just went to class after that. <laughs> I know to somebody listening right now who's still hyper-masculine and macho, they probably like, wow, you was soft. I don't care about none of that shit, man. Yeah, I was soft. I don't care. I, I didn't have to be hard. I had... People who were so loyal to me because I was just always a real nigga that they just fucked with me. I never had to do shit. You know what I'm saying? But it was just wild because I was ready. And even still, here comes Callie out of nowhere. So hypermasculinity isn't always the worst in that kind of way. And not just because it defended me, but because the same way that niggas be hypermasculine in that kind of way. As we start to get older and niggas get some morals about them, they are hypermasculine in a way that protects women and, and, and so on and so forth and families, at least in the D.C. area, to my understanding. And I see more of that than I saw when I moved to places like New York or especially out here in Cali. Niggas will never step up to defend a woman for some reason. It's like, I'm the only one. I'd be confused. But it's a thing. Whatever. But, yeah, man. So all that's going on. I had to tell that little story, but. You know, throughout my high school career, I started meeting all these different people who I got much closer with. And most of them were women. Me and Jade, by the time that me and Kimmy like weren't like, you know, going to talk or date or whatever the case may be, because I think after me and Zayna had broken up, 
Kimmy did kind of like put in a bid for a half a second, like to see what was up. And we realized like, yo, that's not for us. She always teases me about it too. Like you dated me for two weeks or two days or whatever the fuck it was. You dated for two days and then broke up with me. And I was like, no, it wasn't even like that. I didn't want to mess up our friendship. And I'm pretty sure I really didn't at that point. You know, we had been so close. And um, I, I was always afraid of stuff like that. I think that's why me and Jade never actually dated you know, like that was my best friend and I loved the fuck out of her. You know what I'm saying? It was like my role dog. When you saw Jade, you saw me, you know? And and that caused a lot of issues and further relationships. Um, I don't gotta go back to that. Cause I told you I only want to talk about the positives of my relationship situations. I don't think there's a need to dwell on anything negative, but it, it was present. It was one of those things like how can somebody be so close with you and you don't like them or want to be with them or whatever. And people question that a lot. And people question that not only, this started with Jade, but that kind of came into all of my friendships at one point or another, you know? My best friend to this day is Deja. She was just cool, that's all. She was cool, she was funny. She lived close by. We used to sit there and we, we, we didn't do anything together. Like me and Deja have literally never kissed. We have never done anything. We've never even hold, held hands. You know what I'm talking about? Like when I tell you Deja is legitimately like a fucking sister. We should have known that from day one. But I did like like her at first. And it was just one of those things where... um I don't know, it was something happened with somebody else or whatever the case may be. She had a lot of stuff going on anyway at one point, but it was one of those things where something had happened. And I remember this is when I realized how loyal she was. Because it was during a time when we were calling ourselves supposed to be talking, which wasn't a long time at all. And whatever happened could have embarrassed me. And she came to me and told me before my man Amir could come and tell me. Amir is one of my homeboys who played football with me. I was kind of like teaching him football. He was always a basketball nigga. But um, yeah, my man Amir, he was always like a little more hood too, low key. You know what I'm saying? And um, but we was cool. He was just he was thorough and he was cool with my pops, with my pops, and um. He came to me, he was on some shit like, yo, you, you gotta check Deja, bro. You gotta check your girl. Like, she wildin', bro. She wildin' this and that, blah, blah, blah. I'm hearing this, I'm hearing that. Like, nah, you need to. And I was like, Amir, relax, bro. And he was like, nah, bro, you gotta, you gotta. And I'm like, she already told me. We talked, we talked this morning. He was like, and you cool? I was like, she came to me first. What you mean? Like, what I'm what I'm supposed to be mad? Like, she ain't lie. She came and said, What's up? What was up? And like, he couldn't fathom that idea. But to me, loyalty goes so much farther than everything else. And at that age, nobody owes anybody an explanation of anything. But she just came and just told him. And I was like, it was one of those kind of things where at the end of the day, I just remember knowing like, yo, you are the most loyal ass nigga I've ever met in my life. That was the real, that, this is real nigga shit. And to this day, she has been the realest nigga I have known. She's just real. You know what I'm saying? Like she, why lie? 
Tell the blunt truth. Blunt ass truth is what it is. You gonna like it or you ain't. Fuck it. You need people like that around you in your circle. You know what I'm saying? You need folks like that who gonna always keep it a stack. Who gonna because they got your best interest at heart. That's people who have true, uh, 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 unconditional love. I know that through any transition I've ever been in in my life, Deja has always wanted whatever is best for me. You know, undoubtedly, unselfishly, doesn't it's like whatever is best for you. You know, no hating shit. And you need people like that. She don't put herself in the equation. She's like, what does Dante need? It's rare you find friends like those. You know what I'm saying? And the thing is, it's wild because Deja was actually one of the boys, for real. You know what I'm saying? Like, she was she was a part of the crew. The original crew was me, Brandon, Kevin, Marcus, and Deja. For real. You know what I'm saying? And then she started dating Sherman down the line, who's our other bro. You know what I'm saying? He's like more like our crew now, like the crew of guys that I hang with and shit like that. And when she had started dating, you know, it was a thing of like, you know, you hang around all these niggas. So she was, because she thorough, you know what I'm saying? Like, nah, come around. Like, see, see who my friends are. These are like my brothers. You know what I'm saying? And he got to see how cool we was and shit like that. And he he started to get cool with us, but I think she always wanted to like separate her relationship and friendship dynamics. So she kind of fell back from us. Besides me, me and her always stayed cool, but like, you know, uh, the rest of them, for the most part, it's like she kind of fell off to the side and she would hang out with her homegirls more. You know what I'm saying? And then Sherman would hang with us, you know, but from there, I started hanging out more with my girls. Asia Cruzado, Asia Boyer, and Deanna. And it's funny because we used to always go to Deanna's house after school because well, she lived right next to Brandon. When I had quit football, I used to be at Brandon's house all the time and shit like that. And that's when we started to get really tight. You know what I'm saying? We was in the Dragon Ball Z and football. That's all we needed for real. But she was like the neighbor and Brandon was always like cool with everybody. And Deanna's house was like the community house. Deanna's house and Brandon's house was where everybody went all the time, for real. You know what I'm saying? I don't remember how me and Asia Cruzado got extra tight, but that's my goddaughter's mother. And I think we just got extra tight from just being around crew like that. You know what I'm saying? Because her and Asia boy was bite size. You know, that's that's my girl right there. They all was in like cheerleading together. Me and Deanna ran track together. And it was just really organic ass, natural ass, real ass friendships. Like Deja, both Asia's, Deanna, like I felt good. I still feel good now reminiscing on the fact that we never had no type of it was I never liked any of these motherfuckers. <laughs> It wasn't on no like, oh, friend zone type shit. Like, no, I never liked him. Never liked him. It was just like, yo, you're my friend. Like, I legitimately love you. You are my family. You know, there was a time, uh, maybe I'll share this in my Birds and the Bees episode, but there was a time when I had almost lost my virginity. 
and I won't share the full story, but let's just say uh, nerves had got to me because, you know, I just had never been in that situation before and I couldn't show up to the party. <laughs> and I felt so ashamed that I went downstairs and all of the dudes who I do, which I don't know why the fuck they were there in the first place, was like, damn, sorry, bro. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but when I went down to Asia's house, she called up all the girls and all the girls came from around the way and everything like that. And they came through and they sat down with a powwow and the guys was there, too. And it was just like, so what What happened? What? Why? Well, you know, that's not completely your fault. Like, what did she do to get you there? Like, it, it, they made me feel so calm and seen and understood. And like, I just wasn't nervous. I was just like, damn, y'all like, y'all really love me. Like, y'all just made me. Y'all took all of the shame that hypermasculinity ever put on to me and took it off of me in a matter of seconds with a powwow of the girls. And that was the thing. I was like literally one of the girls. It would be so many different parties and events and homecoming dances and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, only the girls would be there and me. You know what I'm saying? I remember people be changing and shit and getting ready to go out and everything like that. And you got titties flying everywhere and shit like that. And I'm like, hello, guy here. And they're like, nigga, not nobody thinking about you. And I'm like, wow, no respect. <laughs> Y'all don't give a fuck. <laughs> I could have been a whole creep. It, 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 it wouldn't have been. It was like, nobody think about you, nigga. And I really wasn't on no creep shit because it's like, I just knew them, you know? But it's just interesting because in so many instances, like sometimes that shit can get blurred. You know, like I'm not going to sit up here and act like. So being that I am a, a, a heterosexual male. Right. Um, and I hang out with heterosexual women, people assume one that you're dating even when you're not. So that means that in a lot of instances, you could be like a cock block. Right. Like I remember high school, there were certain instances where like my friends would be on some shit like, you know, you can't come party with us. And I'd be like, the fuck is that? You know, and this started happening more towards because we used to always party together. That was our thing. We turned up together. So I was always like geeked up because I was like, well, shit, I, you know, I'm getting in where we going for free because I got the women with me. I'm not paying for shit. God damn it. Like <laughs> I got six girls with me. You need all these girls inside. So I'm not paying for nothing if we go on a party and we was turned up. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, in so many ways as they started to get more interested in like niggas too. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like you just being around naturally is like a cock blocking ass situation because niggas are going to assume that, you know, you with us like, and they're not going to know who you with if it's any of us and shit like that, which I always thought was like bullshit. I understood though. I, I get it. You know what I'm saying? You, you want to see what's up with the niggas. So I always tried to play it low, you know? Um, but there was still situations too where that line would blur because I'm not your nigga. But then there's certain things that you want me to do like your nigga, like be your protector and shit like that, which I had no problem with as a man. Right. But then there was a situation in particular I'll never forget. Um, we had went to it was either like homecoming or spring fling or something like that. 
And uh, we all went to Deanna's house before the joint. And Jade was with us this time. Jade didn't usually hang out with this crew in particular, but she was with us this time. And after the dance, uh, they was having an after party at uh, my man Selassie's house. So, you know, we walk into his house and to walk there, we had to walk through this apartment complex. It's like their own little hood called Brittany Place. It's like one of the few little like hoods in Greenbelt because Greenbelt not hood, but you know, it has its little parts. It was a part that you you wouldn't walk through that motherfucker at night, Dolo, if you wasn't from there type shit. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, or you would do it cautiously, I should say. <laughs> but here they are in their little dresses from homecoming and everything. And we had all walked together to get to this party. And, um, you know, I had another little girlfriend at the time. I was dating this girl. Uh, she was like a year younger than me, uh, McCole. And, you know, she's a little, little cute joint, whatever. We was hanging. We was at the party, dancing, chilling, vibing, whatever the case may be. And her folks was coming to pick her up. She was from Bowie, you know, the, the nicer side of town and shit or whatever. So I was like, I'm going to walk my girl to the car. I'm going coming out, you know what I'm saying, whatever. I don't even think I told them because I didn't feel like I had to explain it to them. But, you know, I was being a gentleman. I'm going to walk my girl to the car. Go say what's up to her mother because that's the type of nigga I am. And um, i never forget, we was walking out and it was another one of uh, her friends, my girls at the time's friend, uh, was walking ahead of us and they was a couple. And not as street smart as I should say, right? And some of these uh, Britney Place little gangsters <laughs> who wasn't invited into the party and couldn't get in, uh, was already causing a little bit of havoc back at the party and I didn't know it but it was some other niggas who was out there who went to the school and we didn't know we thought they was just some random goons or some shit <laughs> and they was riding around in, in this uh white you know crown vic type car or whatever with the black tents and we confused like the fuck is going on they was tracking us so they was like hey y'all Yo, come here, talking to us and, and, and the group in front of us, the two people in front of us. So, you know, I'm smart. I'm sitting there talking to McCole at the moment. I'm like, hey, yo, when I, on three, we're going to break left. She's like, what? What are you talking about? I said, like, on three, just follow me. We're going to break left. And I was talking to them in front of me, too, and they could hear me. I said, one, two, three. So me and my girl run, hit behind the house, boom, 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 boom. We out of there. Gone. You know what I'm saying? I never forget. Before we broke left. The nigga in front of me, this dude's name was Devon. He was such a fucking stupid dumbass. He was so green. The dude in the car rolled down the window and said, hey, how much money you got on you? And he going to say, I only got $40. And I was like, oh, you stupid ass nigga. Why would you say you have anything? What is wrong with you? Like, yo, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm not the least big gangster, but I wasn't green. Like, I was like, oh, it's dumb, man. So we running. We hopping fences and shit. I'm boosting her over the fence and shit. We out of there. She's like, no, 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 Dante. We have to go back. We have to go back. I'm like, go back for what? Them niggas is dumb. Like, the fuck? What the fuck will we, you know what I'm saying? And I, I'll never forget. It was something let us know that they had a gun in the car. That's what I did know. We, we all knew that shit, that they had a gun in the car for whatever reason. So she said, we have to go back. We have to go back. So I'm sitting there like, 
all right, fuck it, we going back. But she called her mother first to let her know something just happened. We're coming around the corner, blah, blah, blah. So get around the corner, go back. We looking for Devon and them. And then all of a sudden, apparently, I guess they was already in the car with my girl at the time's mother. So he was like, what was going on? He's like, oh, we was just so-and-so. They were just playing, pretending they were going to rob us or something. And I'm like, you're dumb. So I was trying to roll to go back to the party. This is the relevance of the story, right? I was trying to roll to go back to the party because, you know, my girls is at the party. I got Jade and Deanna with me. And my girl at the time's mother was like, Dante, get in the car. And I was like, oh, no, I'm straight, Miss So-and-so. Don't worry about it. I'm good. I'm right here. She's like, get in the car. I'm like, yo, I'm good. I promise. My, my grandmother lived right there. I'm going to just walk over to my grandma. She said, I'll drop you. I'm like, all right. So I went over there, and I thought I was slick. I thought I was just going to hop out and like, all right, y'all have a good night. She sat there and waited because I was like, I think my grandmother's asleep. I'm not trying to wake her up. So she was like, so have your mother come get you. I had to call my mother, wait for my mother to come and pick me up from my grandma. And even though my mother was cool as hell, I couldn't tell her, like, yo, we just almost got robbed on some bullshit. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to go back and check on my girls. So <laughs> I just went home. And um, sure enough, I shit you not, while I was going and back home and trying to, you know, process what happened, a whole ass brawl done broke out at the other party. That I was supposed to be at That I had left outside for two seconds To walk my girl to the car <laughs> And Jade and Deanna Is in there and they get mixed up In the scuffle and they end up having to Walk back home Like a whole ass 40 minute walk Barefoot In these short dresses <laughs> Through Brittany Place Walking the long or didn't want to walk through Brittany Place They walked the long way home Pissed off we was beefing for months after that Oh, we was beefing for monks. They was like, why would you leave us and you came with us, this and that? And I guess, you know, these are the dynamics of like being a guy who hangs out with girls because girl code says we came together, we leave together. You don't leave, this and that, blah, blah, blah. As a guy and a straight guy, I'm like, I'm a gentleman. I'm going to walk my lady to the car and make sure she's safe to get in the car with her mama. That's my girl. And they didn't understand that concept. I remember this is the first time I was introduced to a conflict like this because in their mind, I should have chose them over her. And my thing is, I'm like, I'm going to choose y'all over my girl. Like, y'all not my girl. Fuck is you talking about? Like, <laughs> that sounds like girlfriend activity. Sounds like you should have had your man here to protect you in the situation. <gasps> you don't have a man. Okay, cool. You know what I'm saying? I was on some cold ass shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I was probably wrong for that. I'm not going to lie. I probably was wrong for that in that time period. But I was young. I was ignorant. But also, I kind of don't think I was wrong in hindsight. Because at the end of the day, like, yeah, the way they were so, like, neither of them had asked me, like, yo, are you good? What happened to you? You say you almost got robbed. Y'all hopping fences. You know? It those type of dynamics created issues, you know, and that type of thing also came up in other ways down the line because, like I said, those lines can get misconstrued sometimes when folks make assumptions. Like one of my friends in college, you know, what I'm saying AV had a 
a time period where she really had to literally duck me. People would be like, where Dante at? What's up with Dante? Or like, you know, her parents like like me or I know her, her mother did or whatever. Like, you don't like Dante? You should date Dante. And her, some of her friends on that shit. Like, why don't you just date Dante? And she was really on some shit like, yo, like, we don't like each other like that. Like, I don't like him. Like, it's, it's not that. Like, relax. You know what I'm saying? It's good. Like, and it just got so overwhelming even after we had already had multiple conversations with each other about like, that's not what we was trying to do. But other people was doing the most. And I get it because society is so driven by this idea of like, you know, the way that the the structure of patriarchy works, the way that it exists in society as we know it is you are not of value until you are coupled with a male or female counterpart. You know, you're partnered up, then you somehow attribute more value, you know, and it's fucked up. It is fucked up. You know what I'm saying? But like, it's hard to be in platonic friendships with friends of the opposite sex in places where people don't understand your connection or relationship because they make a lot of assumptions. And for a nigga like me, I don't really give a fuck. I don't care if you assume whatever you want to assume because I know what it is. You know what it is. But I've noticed over the years that a lot more women do care. You know, they do. Because that shit can be impeding to their peace or it can be impeding to the things that make them feel fulfilled. And a lot of times what makes them feel fulfilled is like, you know, niggas. <laughs> it's just true. It's sad, but it's true. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, niggas are not going to come and just talk to me just because cause you're around or whatever the case may be. So it's like you have to hold your friendships in a different kind of standard and dynamic or whatever like that um some of those things have come up in 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 similar kind of ways in more recent friendships right like Ayn and av i met in new york when i went to the new school for undergrad and um you know in in, in a lot of ways people do the same things with them as they would do to me about jade and deja when i was younger like you're not going to date them. Like, they too bad for you not to. And I'm like, yo, don't do that. Don't do that. You know? Uh, it, it's clear. It's like one of them, and it's the same kind of dynamic. Like, AV was somebody who I liked at one point. And then after talking to her for about a week, it was like clear, like, okay, you're not my type and I'm not your type. But you are cool as a motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? And Ayn, I just completely never liked. It was just like, we was just thorough. We used into the same type of music and everything else like that. And like, I always say Ayn is just like my New York version of Deja, you know? It's like, that's my sister to the death. I can, I'm going to grow old with Ayn, you know what I'm saying? Like, Ayn will be in a rocking chair right next to me, and we'll be sitting there <laughs> still cooking each other ass up. Like, look at your stupid ass shoes, nigga, fucking fucked up haircut, nigga. <laughs> that's my dog, you know what I'm saying? That's my dog. You know, shout out to all my other friends who I've had over the years. Like, the original name of this episode was Real Friends, but I changed it to one of the girls because the thing about it is, in unpacking this shit, the truth of the matter is, I've always been seen as, like, one of the girls. I've never been hyper-masculine. I've never been, like you know, on that type of shit. The type of things that niggas usually bond over. The only thing I ever had to offer in a nigga space was 
football. Because I love football. It's like chess to me. You know what I'm saying? Like it's strategy. It's physical. It's all these different things. It's like I love to try to outthink the competition. I like to watch games and pretend I'm a coach. You know? But aside from football, I, I never really had a lot in common with dudes. You know what I'm saying? And and that's okay. I don't have to be anything other than that. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, I'm still a real nigga. I definitely still a protector of anybody, not even just women, but men. I'm a protector. You know what I'm saying? It's just how I move nowadays. You know what I'm saying? Like when I was younger, it was a lack of confidence. It was never that I was soft. It was that I wasn't confident. And a lot of times that same type of confidence that niggas exude when they're younger is a coping mechanism. To make it seem like they really bout that and they really not. It's a it's a flex, it's a pump fake to try to deter someone from challenging them. You know? I never really had that in me. But I'll leave the episode with this, right? Because I could ramble about this shit forever. There's five basic male archetypes, right? Number one, big wheel. Big wheel means I floss, I gloat. Look at how much I got. Look at what I what look at what I can do. That makes me more attractive in finding a mate because I show that I can provide by flossing what I have, right? Number two, give them hell. That means like, yo, I will physically beat the fuck out you. <laughs> I uh, I will overpower you to get what I want. I will oppose my will on you because I'm stronger than you. And that makes me more of a man because it attracts a mate, right? Number three, a sturdy oak. Sturdy oak means absolutely no outward displays of emotion. You don't allow yourself to get emotional. You stay strong. You stay stern. You that because that's what a man does. A man doesn't get emotional. Emotion is a female trait, right? Supposedly, right? Then you have Don Juanism. That's number four. Don Juanism is your ability to use your sexual prowess to attract a female mate, a female companion. And if you can do that, then you say, hey, come on, you can be with me. I, I, I can reproduce. I am your mate, right? And then number five, the last one is called No Sissy Stuff. And that's what this whole episode is all about, right? It's called One of the Girls and what's more sissy quote unquote than being called one of the girls and you're a straight guy you know and your family telling you don't be gay and if you're a gay it's okay you can tell us but we also don't want you to be gay and we'll threaten you to not be gay and everything else like that right and the whole time you're like nigga I'm not even gay but what's the issue <laughs> and uh no sissy stuff basically just means no outward displays of feminine traits. Because if so, that makes you less of a man. I say all of these five traits that are a part of the traditional male archetype to make this point. That traditional male archetype no longer serves society in a modern structure. We've gone through the industrial age. We've gone through a technology age. We've gone through so many different things 
we don't need that same kind of like hunter mentality and survival of the fittest and I'm like it's not a part of our survival anymore for African folks people of African lineage it was never necessarily really really a part of our survival that was a part of survival for people who had to hibernate through the winter and hunt for their food and domesticate wolves to keep them warm through the winter if you get if you get where I'm going with this right and not to be all whatever you know but I mean it's just the history behind this shit you know what I'm saying and at the end of the day we thrive more in community we thrive more in all of these things that have to deal with being spiritual beings, emotional beings, communication, things that would deem you weak in an environment that says a survival of the fittest, kill or be killed, eat or be eaten. That archetype don't serve us no more. So we have to do a better job of communicating with our children, educating ourselves, not deeming everything as gay or straight or whatever the case may be and understanding that people are multifaceted you know what i'm saying there's trans people there's gay people there's lesbians there's heterosexual people there's asexual people people just be people let people mind their fucking business and be whoever it is that they want to be or are going to be right and that shit don't gotta define you none you could just be you I'm damn sure me at this point. You know what I'm saying? It took a long time for me to get there. I'm just me. <laughs> I'm borderline William from Girlfriends. You feel me? <laughs> don't make a lot of sense. It never did. It don't got to. If you understand it, then it's good. What's understood don't got to be explained. It's cool. You know what I'm saying? I, I've never been so honored to be one of the girls. You know, but shit. I'm gonna catch y'all on the next episode. Back in the days, but with